I don't know what your traditions are in your family, but most families have some traditions, whether they call it that or not. A lot of them involve not just the opening of presents, but the decorating. How many of you are in a home where only one person is allowed to decorate? Okay. Um, there are some of those where there's a job for the rest of us. It's called bringing everything out and putting it back. When our kids were younger, the decorating was a little more shared. Jody doesn't trust me. But especially on the tree, and there were a lot of decorations that they had made their, their own, and so they're, each one's putting up their own decorations. And, you know, after they would go to sleep that night, after we had decorated the tree, once Jody was sure they were asleep, then she rearranged everything on the tree. Now, she thought they didn't notice. They did. And so it became part of the family history of, could I put something somewhere that she doesn't want it, but she won't be able to move it? And if it's a real tree, if you're willing to get scratched up, you can get stuff back in the back of the tree that nobody else wants to touch. But we all have those things, and there are also certain uh, images of certain decorations. For me, it was at my Grandma Owen's house, the nativity scene. That was pretty much the only decorating Grandma did. And a part of that was simply because her thing was, this is what this is all about. So in the front room that we never went into except at Christmas, this very elaborate nativity set was on display on a table, and it was one of those that had a lot of pieces to it. I mean, all the animals were there, and the shepherds, and the angels, etc. And I read about a family that had one of those kind of sets, and it was the first year that the four or five-year-old was going to get to help put the nativity set together. And it was one of those, I don't know if it was porcelain, but it was kind of the glass stuff. Don't worry, they had carpet in case he dropped it, but he is unwrapping the tissue paper around those, and he is announcing every piece of the nativity set as they're getting ready to put it out. Here's a donkey, you know, here's, here's a sheep, here's uh, an angel, etc. And he got to the piece that was the manger, and in that set, the baby Jesus and the manger were all one piece. It wasn't a manger that you put a little tiny baby Jesus in. It was all one piece. And as he unwrapped it, he announced, and here's baby Jesus in his car seat. He knew he had to be in one, so surely Jesus would need to be in one. But a part of that that I love is the fact that one, he recognized Jesus, and two, he wanted to make sure Jesus was safe. And I wonder, how safe is he in your life, in your heart? We've been talking through this whole Christmas season about the characters of Christmas, and Mary, and Joseph, and the shepherds, and this morning we looked at the wise men, and talked about the fact that all of them had to be very courageous to do what they did. But so did Jesus. Coming into a hostile environment, I, I'm not talking about the stable, I mean the world. And even though they had been looking forward to this, at least the Jewish nation had, for a long time, generation after generation after generation, 
but the rest of the world wasn't. And that very people who had been looking for him didn't recognize him. Didn't recognize him as a baby because it's not how he thought he would come. Didn't recognize him as an early teacher and preacher because that's not how they thought he would come. As I said this morning, it's just such a strange way to save the world. To bring a baby, watch him grow. To have him grow up in the out-of-the-way rural town of Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? What a strange way to save the world. But when we take a look at Jesus and what he did and all of the things that came into the story into his birth, I think there's a lot of things we can relate to that maybe we haven't thought of. So listen here in the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament, the second chapter, the first seven verses says, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, he was going to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And we know, historically, the shepherds showed up shortly after that. And I just thought about the fact, have you considered how in the Christmas story, the way this started was really a big intrusion. I mean, the government decided to have a census. It wasn't as we have now, where it's on, the, on record, it's law every 10 years, and here's how it goes, and you fill out the questionnaires, etc. I mean, this was at the whim of whoever was in charge. And you didn't get to stay home to do the census. The reason they went to Bethlehem was Joseph was in the line from King David and Bethlehem was the birthplace. So they had to travel to Bethlehem while Mary was eight plus months pregnant. What an intrusion. Also the census, I mean, how they kept records was so much different than what we have now. But it was all part of God's plan. The trip, because it fulfilled prophecy of Bethlehem. But it took courage. I don't know if they could have gotten an exemption or not. It seems like they might have been able to. If, it seems like Joseph might have been able to show up and said, yeah, I got a wife and soon to be a baby at home. Couldn't travel, you understand, because of how far along she is. I, I don't know if they could have that. But either way, what an intrusion. And then I started processing back just in the last week of how many things I considered an intrusion into my life. Things that I didn't plan that, but I now had to deal with it. I wanted to do that, just not then. I wanted to do it here. But because of circumstances, I had to, and all these things that I considered as they happened, an intrusion. And then I was like, 
But what if that was part of his plan? I mean, what do you do when intrusions happen? Somebody gets in your space. Somebody rearranges your schedule. Or somebody rearranges your decorations on the tree. Or somebody messes with the stuff on your desk or in your kitchen. What do you do with the intrusions that show up? Do you ever stop and go, okay, Lord, is this part of your plan? Because if it is, I don't want to consider it an intrusion. I want to recognize it's part of the plan. Mary and Joseph, they knew, they had been told this is part of the plan, but the rest of the people weren't aware of that. But even then, how much of an intrusion was that? What a strange way to save the world. And I look also at this, that when they got there, I mean, the last verse that I read says that she laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And all kids' Christmas programs, you know, always had a mean innkeeper. Now, I don't know that the innkeeper reality was mean. I'm not even sure there was an actual innkeeper. All we know is there was no place for them, and especially not if they were about to have a baby. Talk about a change of plans. It's Joseph, and it's like, yeah, Mary, I got us a place. Got the last room in town. We are going to have to share it with a few animals. But just think through that kind of an intrusion and the inconvenience of that. And then I thought, how well do I handle inconvenient circumstances? Don't answer that. How well do you handle inconvenient circumstances? Not, not just those intrusions that, oh, I wanted to do it now, but I'll have to wait and do it later, but those things where now it's all changed. How well do you handle that? Mary and Joseph, we don't know exactly how they handled it, except that they kept doing the right thing. They kept taking that next right step because they recognized whether this was part of the plan, they understood the ultimate plan. Do you ever consider that some of those unplanned things, some of those inconvenient circumstances might be part of God's plan? And if it's part of his plan, how different should I react? Maybe even tomorrow. Because most of us have this image of how we think it's going to go on Christmas Day. About the only time that ever happens is if there's only one or two of you. Will it go exactly as planned? If there are young kids around, I guarantee you it's not going anything like it's planned. How do you do with that? What will you do in the next day or two if instead of eating at 1, things aren't done until 1.30? Or 2? Or maybe you have to get one of those Domino's emergency pizzas because you burned it all. By the way, anybody else realize how ridiculous that commercial is? They're going to feed a family with that? I mean, that looked like a personal pan pizza to me. Or maybe I eat too much. How do we handle these 
inconvenient circumstances. It took courage for Joseph and Mary not to freak out. To lay that baby in a feeding trough. To have the shepherds show up and I can't find it in scripture, but I'm convinced there was a little drummer boy somewhere in there. How do we handle that? And what if in this next year, we determine to start handling those intrusions and inconvenient circumstances as if they might be part of God's plan? How different might things go? A lot of courage to make that trip. A lot of courage to bring that baby into this world where they did and to not freak out. A lot of courage (laughs) because it was all messy. I mean, the birth, it can be messy in itself. A newborn baby, there's a mess. In animal space, even more of a mess. Laying in a feeding trough, even more of a mess. Shepherds showing up. Oh, man. How do we handle it when things are messy? Do we ever consider that the mess might be part of God's plan? Now, I'm not talking about the time when we created the mess (laughs) by not doing what we knew we should. I mean, when things just are messy. Have you noticed that life gets messy at times? Have you noticed that if you're really trying to reach others with the gospel, with the good news, the love of Jesus Christ, you're going to enter into some messy stuff. I don't know if you thought about it or not, but not just the way Jesus entered, but the way he left was kind of messy. The cross certainly was not neat and clean. A tomb. How do we handle the messes that show up around us? How do we handle the messes that are sometimes imposed upon us? Do you try to avoid the messes or the messy person or the situation instead of asking God how he could use that? I reread a classic book just recently called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Simbla. He was pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York. It's an amazing story to, to understand, but They were, talk about in the inner city, and this church was like 12 people in this big old building that was falling down and no money, et cetera, et cetera. But God began to work, and they began to reach. But because of where they were and how they were ministering, there were a lot of messes that came through the door. Because some Sundays, to even start church, they had to move some homeless people out of the doorway so they could even open the doors to the church. There were crack addicts and and other addicts that were living just all around the building and coming in, hey, lights are on, it's warm, maybe somebody can help me out. And they did a lot of that, but I can still remember one section of the book. He talked about on an Easter Sunday. They had three services. It was at the end of the third service, and he said, I was exhausted, but it had been a great day. And he said, as I come down off the platform, greeting a few people and praying with a few people, and all of a sudden he said, I saw this guy headed straight for me from the back. And he said, it was obvious he was living on the street. 
It was obvious by how he looked, and he said it was obvious by how he smelled long before he got to me. And he, he said his first thought in his mind was, man, what a way to end Easter, getting hit up for a few bucks. And he said he literally reached in his pocket to see what money he had. And as he was doing that, the guy said, I don't want your money, preacher. He said, I want to know a little more about this Jesus you guys were talking about. He said, because something's got to change. Because if I don't get him, or if something doesn't change, I'm going to die out there. He said, in his heart, something changed. This mess and smell. He said the smell was so strong that it, up until that moment, as he was talking to the man, he would turn his head to take a breath in and then hold his breath for a little bit, then turn to get another breath. But he said all of a sudden, as he felt God saying, what are you going to do with this mess? He said, because this is who I died for. That's who Jesus came for. And you know what? That's true of us. We got our own messes. Oh, we might be cleaned up, but we got some messy stuff in our lives and hearts. He said something broke in him, and he just hugged the guy. And he said, suddenly, instead of repulsing me, that smell became the sweetest smell of the entire day. What do you do when things are messy? Do you embrace it? Do you look for God in it? Or do you try to shun it and avoid it? It took courage for Joseph and Mary to be in such a messy situation that was so uncertain. As I've already mentioned, the shepherds showed up. Shepherds low on the totem pole in society, couldn't be trusted, not even to give a legal testimony. They were living with their sheep. Let that register. It says they were living out in the fields with their sheep. That means they couldn't have smelled great. That means that they couldn't have been anything but disheveled. And they showed up. The first visitors in Jesus' baby book. How would you handle that? I saw a few moms shudder just at the description. But don't just think about it for that moment. But what do you do when some unwanted people enter? your space, your circle. And by unwanted, I simply mean you didn't invite them in. You haven't checked them out yet. I have a pastor friend who a few weeks ago was with his daughters who were, were 16. They went into a grocery store to get some stuff, and while they are in there, he saw a guy come in who looked not like he could be trusted and he said he just kind of moved his daughters on the other side of him so he was between this guy and his daughters and they couldn't figure out what he was doing and he's like okay we'll just kind of let him pass by us and he said the next thing he knew he looked up and there were six policemen with guns drawn pointed at them the reason was because the guy was behind them 
and they were after him. What would you do? He gathered his girls and got out. The time to minister to that guy was at another moment instead of during a gun battle. But what do you do when the uninvited intrude your space? Joseph and Mary showing up. You see, we sometimes uh, put down the innkeeper, but we assume the innkeeper is the one who at least let him go where the animals were. He at least let him into somewhere. But you have to wonder when the uninvited, when the unexpected shows up, to at least ask, God, is this part of the plan? I mean, none of us would have chosen the shepherds for the first announcement. None of us would have chosen Joseph and Mary to be the parents. None of us would have chosen to have the baby born in a stable and laid in a feeding trough for his first bed. None of us would have chosen the shepherds to be the first visitors on his registry. What do we do when the unexpected comes into our life? And this year, at this Christmas, I challenge you with this. To take a moment and consider the intrusions this week any of the messes that have been around or are about to happen, and just ask, God, could this be part of your plan? What can I learn? What do you want me to see in this? Oh, it doesn't mean you shouldn't plan. doesn't mean you shouldn't hope things go the way you're expected, they're expected to go. But what will you do if it doesn't? And is it just possible that some of those things are part of his plan for you? I was broken by that thought this week. Lord, how many times have I missed something because I was irritated instead of expecting? How many times did I miss an opportunity because I thought of it as an intrusion instead of an invitation. And I'm seeking to ask God, is it part of your plan going forward? I just challenge you to consider asking the same question. We're going to finish here in a moment by singing Silent Night, and we're going to light the candles, and you're going to have to help. going to come down and light a few candles, and you need to go out of your comfort zone and share your light with somebody else, like we're supposed to do, and keep passing it along. As we consider the fact that on that silent night, God broke in, and what if he broke in tonight to your life, to my life, into our service? What will we do? Let's stand together as we prepare to sing.
pray with me? Father, thank you for the reason for the season. Thank you for the intrusion of that baby into this world. Thank you for the courage of Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men and Jesus himself. Oh, Father, help me to have that courage that when the intrusions come, to consider that you're a part of it. To seek what can be learned from you and how I can pass the light on as we just did. Even in the midst of the mess, the inconvenience, or the intrusion. Lord, thank you for the reason we have to celebrate. Thank you for these who gathered this morning and these here tonight. May you go with us as we head to our homes. For those who are traveling away and those who are traveling to us, guide them safely. But most of all, may we be guided to your presence to follow you. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen.